Hello and welcome. I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trevere. And this is episode 25 of History on the Table. Rich, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Congratulations in your court centennial. That's uh, Hey, this is... Uh... This has been a two-man project longer than it's been a one-man project, I think. Has I, it? I was actually it. just wondering that when I saw the uh, – <laughs> I couldn't remember how long I'd been along the ride for. Well, I, yeah. I was I was it's a close. spectator at least at the beginning. Maybe I was in the backseat. There, there you <laughs> go. Yeah, uh, I think you came around 12 or 13. So and That it's been sounds great. about right, yeah. It's a lot less lonely process. <laughs> So, um, well, we nailed it again. We're hitting a recording on the day, a uh, GMT update. I know. I think they know when we're recording. We've got a spy. Yeah. Anything jump out at you from the update? Uh, Well, the one thing that I I bought was the uh, U.S. Civil War update kit because I've got an older version of it. So that'll catch me up with the new stuff. We had talked about this before and I wasn't going to buy the new version. But when I saw there was an update, I, I jumped on that. The other yeah. stuff, the stuff that's been announced, um, nothing really jumped out at me. There's a couple teasers I thought were interesting. Yeah, so there's a, a few. The update kit, which is new to both of us. Um, I'm in on the second edition, but now I'm wondering. I'll have to look at that, see if I miss out on anything, or I'll maybe do both. Uh, and then GMT is going to sell some clothes. And then uh looks like three games. So we get another Battle of the American Revolution. Have you played that series? I don't. I have one. I have, I want to say Saratoga, and mm-hmm. I've I've looked at it, but I haven't played it yet. Yeah, that's. I know I've mentioned it before, but that's one I really want to get back to. Uh, someone told us not to play with, like, the, like, strategy chits. Okay. Um, which just kind of, like, set your formation and give modifiers. Um, and we did, and it's... Um, it's a very small part of the game to take out. So, uh, great, great series. So that's cool that that's still going. And then uh, another coin series. I love the theme, but we've probably beat on the coin horse enough. So there's a, a coin coming out in 1600 Japan. Yeah. That's interesting. Period. I played it, someone brought it, but. For I, sure. I said, I think I'm done buying coin games. Yep. And then, uh, you know, a series we haven't. I may have mentioned it as, you know, one of those that I need to play more. Uh, Fast Action Battle, a new one for Dubno 41, which is not anything. I don't know anything about that, but when I saw the title, my first thought was, ooh, a new 7-inch game. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That was my thought as well. Uh, So it looks like it's part of Operation Barbarossa. Yeah. Uh, Have you played this series? I have not. I've looked at it, but I haven't played it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a block series, and this is one of those I've told the story before. Like my brother and I learning war games, how we just like show up and try to start playing. Mm-hmm. And fast action battle Sicily is uh, one of the ones we tried to do that with, and it wasn't bad. It was just uh, someone should have read the rules beforehand. Yeah, huh? I kind of wish I had one of them because I was actually thinking about you know conventions and like you know next week we're we're going to meet up at donkey con and we're going to be playing big games during the get day but often there's lighter smaller games during the night and seems like fast action battles would fit into that that night game oh sure. slot really well where you can pick it up easily as long as one person knows it i was looking at my games trying to think of what i would want to take for a night game and i don't have anything that jumps out at me yeah and if i don't know if the other ones have it but sicily has like a 
well, kind of like how Silver Bayonet has like the breakout maps, or yeah, it it just has one. So like, okay, I mean for sure, like if you really were pressed on time, you could do the tiny um, Sicily map. I think it may take some of the stuff out of the game, but I'm sure it scratches the itch. So yeah, not a uh, not like a sweeping update. Some pre- some pretty cool stuff coming out though. So good for GMT. Yeah, they got teasers, some more coin games, another solo submarine game. It seems like. Seems like they put out another one of those every quarter now. I haven't played any of them yet, so I mean, I'm not saying anything good or bad about them because I haven't played them, but I just know there's a lot of them. Yeah, you know, it's not submarine related, um, but that Atlantic. Speaking of like boats, that Atlantic chase game looks really cool. One, yeah, that does look good to me. I was thinking about picking that up. Yeah, yeah, I might, I might see how next week goes because uh, I'm gonna make a trip out to Miniature Market next week. For yeah, sure. I was there a couple weeks ago and it was not in. Because that, that was actually one that I was going to pick up if it was on the shelf. Yeah, I think they only just recently added it to their website. But yeah, uh, yeah. So they did. Uh, who's who knows what these games are that um, they tease? And I know Grant from the Players Aid will take a guess at them, and that's that's his deal. And I'm not trying to step on that at all. What I did find interesting is a pulp horror solo and co-op strategy game. That'd be cool. Yeah, could be cool. Cthulhu, maybe. I don't know. Yep, maybe. Well, good. Uh, that's the our rundown of the April update from GMT. <laughs> Just by odd chance that we're recording the same date. Uh, good. Anything else to report before we dive into some games? Uh, no, I don't think so. Let's talk. Let's do let's, games. Let's talk. Let's talk, talk, talk. Uh, so what's on the shelf, Rich? Um, I pick up Pax Pamir, which is interesting oh. because I don't know if you saw the Kickstarter for John Company came out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one of the add-ons for John Company was you could also buy Pax Premier, which is currently out of print. And I was just talking to someone, uh, actually talking to one of our listeners. I'm like, the On John Company. Yeah, I was like, the John Company looks good. Um, I think I'd like to play it, but I, what I really want is Pax Premier. And he's like, oh, well, I'll just sell you mine. So I'm like, oh, done, deal. So I didn't get John Co. And now I'm, I've got Pax Premier instead, which is what I really wanted. <laughs> nice. I I know, um, well, two of the guys on, on the Discord and two of the local Kansas City guys and two of the guys that are helping me put on uh, Historic Fest, Zach and Rex, I think they both own it. I know they've both played it, so I did not throw it in with John Company. Yeah. Um, but it's that's a game I wanted to play for a long time, for sure. Yeah, it's fun. I, I played it uh, a couple times a couple years ago, and then I never had the chance to play it again just because it was out of print and I couldn't get it. So I'll definitely play that one more now. Pax Pamir is the different, trying to buy for the different tribes in Afghanistan, is that yep. right? Yeah, that's cool. the Afghanistan one. Nice, nice, nice. Yep. Cool. What else? Uh, I picked up the expansion to Twilight Imperium 4. You know, nice. I eventually would. Um, we've been playing this uh, Twilight, sort of playing Twilight Imperium 4 online, and it's it's like just enough to make you run up, really play it for not that good online. Um, but yeah, the expansion, I had it marked uh, at Miniature Market. You can set them up to like send you an email when something comes back in stock. So it had been out of stock for a while. And it was something I knew I was going to get eventually. So when it came back at stock, I picked it up. And then another thing I picked up, this was kind of cool. Um, from your your KC ASL group, mm-hmm. I guess 
maybe you've played some of these, but they put out a pack of ASL three-player scenarios, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool. Um, so I, I picked up those. That was like 15 bucks, including shipping. It was almost nothing. I flipped through them. Obviously, I haven't played any of them yet, but a couple of them, especially like that last one, looks really good because it doesn't look, it's not very long, not a whole lot of units, but three players. And I'm really looking forward to trying one of those out and see how they play. Yeah, I want to say like pre-COVID they were doing that. And I, because I remember one where like the Italians were involved and there was like one building in the middle. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, it was on one of the AARs from them. But yeah, that's the tournament pack. Yep. Um, I, I haven't picked up my... I I have not played. They have been playing plenty at the game days. I've seen them talk about the three-player stuff. Um, but I'm going back to the in-person game day on May 15th. So nice. Maybe I'll get a chance to play one of those. Maybe not. Yeah. But yeah, that was their tournament pack. I haven't seen it yet because I'm just going to grab mine in person. Yeah. And it's pretty cool, too, because it's not like... The ones I was looking at um, were not two versus one either. It was actually one versus one yep. versus one, which you have to you have to tweak the ESL rules to do that because it is a two player game. But they've done that and they explained how it works in the scenario pack. You'll have to look at uh, see if that Italian one's included in there. I think it is. Yeah, it's on the shelf. I don't look at it now. Sure, no problem. Uh, oh, hey, what do you, what do you decide to drink tonight? Oh, I ended up drinking moonshine. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I got some moonshine and ginger ale, and it's yummy. Nice, good, good. I am drinking a, um, it's called Love Coffee Stout from the uh, brewery a couple blocks away. That sounds good. It's very good. Coffee stouts are probably my favorite. Yeah, I need to uh, restock. Um, I actually actually got on a website, and I was looking up, like, Vietnamese alcoholic drinks uh, to go with our theme for later on today. <laughs> but um, And some of them looked pretty good. It was a lot of, like, fruity stuff. Um, but I didn't have any of that, so I just got what I had. Very good. Uh, well, I've got a few things. So, uh, Commands and Colors Samurai Battles, I think I talked about this with, or I know I did, with the Netflix documentary. Oh, yeah. Like, perfect timing. Um, one thing I'm doing, I had, uh, Rich, your other show has a sponsor uh, for Altered Dementia. We mm-hmm. didn't have a sponsor, but I did go to him, and I had him 3D print trays to hold Commands and Colors pieces. Oh, nice. And he wasn't happy with how some of them turned out, so yeah. I reprinted them. So I got like a double batch. He's a and like guy, yeah, he, yeah. And quick turnaround, and uh, so I'm gonna do a little like video once it's all done. I don't think I have enough to do my full ancient set. Um, do you have? How have, do you have a bunch of expansions for ancients? I have three of the ancients expansions. Okay. Or oh, sorry, I have the base game and two expansions. Okay. Yeah, and then samurai battle battles. So. Uh, it's a cool thing. Um, the planes are out there on like, is it Thingverse? Is that the big? Yep. Yeah, they're out there. Um, I, like I said, I'm gonna do a video as soon as life calms down a little bit. And there's only, I mean, there's only commands and colors. Only has two block sizes, right? Um, no, because more? the elephant block sizes, and then there's like a, I think there's a size between the elephant and the. Oh, so there's small, medium, and large. Okay. I think I could be wrong. Yeah, that sounds right. I haven't played it in quite a while. Yeah, most of my CNC stuff has been on Vassal. So then I picked up um, Tokyo Express. I actually bought a copy from uh, Judd Vance, and like he took it to the post office without putting the shipping label on it, but it was something he bought from GMT, so they shipped it to his house like without postage, (laughs) and he got it out to me. He told me this whole long story. It was pretty funny. He's one of the the Hamtag guys. Go check out their YouTube video. Uh, super nice guy. He lives the, he lives on the other side of the state in, in Kansas. So Tokyo Express is the follow up to f- Carrier. 
uh, but it's expanded to not just be a solo player game. You can play it as a two player game. Cool. Um, and then I picked up really cheap, some old GDW games. Um, one of them was a house divided, which I love house divided. Assuming Have you that's played it? US civil war. I've not, it is, it's US civil war that starts out very, very basic and it's got a handful of Chrome rules that you can add on as you see fit. So, um, you know, you can throw in general rule, like the, I don't remember exactly what they all add, but there's a good amount of like completely optional rules to add complexity and flavor to the game. It's, it's actually pretty fun. Um, but the Mayfair, I think is who made the most recent version map is printed wrong. It's like each version that's been printed has printing issues. So I went in and got the GDW version to like combine with my Mayfair one. <laughs> and then, or maybe it's Mayday. I think Mayfair makes the crook whatever. And then that was like 10 bucks. But then he was doing like a pack of, so Asteroid, uh, which is a game from the 70s or 80s, I think, which looked like. The only Asteroid game. I know is the Atari game. Yeah, no, let me, uh, <laughs> let me do some Adam Chance uh, live Google real quick. Um Asteroid, 1980 GDW game designed by Frank Chadwick and okay. Mark Miller. Probably not the comic artist. In Asteroid, one player controls a team of adventurous adventurers attempting to destroy a runway mining asteroid on collision course with our, Okay. Um, it's a high adventure pulp sci fi gameplay where your team must infiltrate an asteroid base. Oh, I love that cover. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's. That uh, is awesome. <laughs> it's mean, like. Uh, that's it's like. Big, that's like taking me back Wars. to Star Frontiers. <laughs> and there's like uh like a lady in a moon suit with really she's just wearing a bubble helmet and these like uh floating uh but everything is shiny around. and this is oh it's gorgeous yeah well I, maybe i'll have to play that in columbia sometime. yeah <laughs> uh another one was imperium which um really was just the like if you bought all three then imperium was basically free so yeah yeah cool yeah yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, that's what's been going on there. Um, you want to talk about some books? Sure. You want to go first? Sure. Um, so I'm still reading Musashi. I paused it because Musashi was published like the U.S. Civil War, where it was published as articles or like essays or something to that effect, basically in smaller forms than how it's collected now. So like the full thing now is like 52 hours of audiobook or some shit. So I'm at like a natural pausing point. It's like, well, I'm going to take a break from this. Um, and I've, I've been reading, and that's some the other... one it's sort of like, it basically takes place after Sekigahara, but it's, it's fictional. Yes. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Okay. It, ex exactly right. It's more based in history than James Clavel's Shogun. Okay. Um, but it is fiction. It's pretty good. It's dated. Um, I mean, it was written in the forties. Some parts are super interesting. Some parts are like the dialogue's not great. I'm not going to say much more on it until I'm done. But the other thing I'm reading is The Anarchy by William Dalrymple, which is a book about the British East India Trade Company. Oh, cool. It's it's good. It's pretty short. So I'm you should get John Company to play with it. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> uh, that's in conjunction with the book club over at AAC. And, oh, okay. Um, I had asked about games because... The the stuff with like the Mughal Empire is super interesting and like <laughs> just ransoming cities left and right. Uh, and I wanted to not necessarily play something about the the trade company, but I would like to play something about the Mughal Empire. Mm -hmm. And 
Legion Games has on their like pre-order deal a a game covering that topic. It's a um, it's a bird game though, and I think it's kind of tied up in developer and probably writes hell. So mm. we'll probably never see it. Cool. It's basically great battles of history. So something like SPQR or Alexander just transported to this time period is my understanding. Uh, yeah, that's kind of it. Like I said, I've been reading some other fiction stuff, but yeah, well, I found a fiction book. I just totally found this by accident. It was actually, I listened to it on audible cause it was on their audible plus catalog. The ones you get for free. Mm-hmm. It's called the Cthulhu case books, Sherlock Holmes and the Shadwell shadows. And I loved the hell out of it. It was just so good. Really? There's, I think, two more in the series and maybe even some more that might be related. It's hard to tell. Um, I'm definitely going to go on with this. But it's basically, so it is what it sounds like. It's a cross of Sherlock Holmes and Cthulhu Mythos, which is like two big buttons for me to press at the same time. Um, but it's really cool. It's written from the perspective of Watson. And it's like... I don't know, I want to say maybe 30, 40 years after all the adventures happens. Like Sherlock is long dead. Watson is at the end of his life and he's writing this down now. And basically Watson is like, everything that you've ever read of mine has been absolute bullshit. (laughs) And here's what really happened. I couldn't tell you because we were fighting like elder gods and it drove us crazy (laughs) so that's awesome i just downloaded it and and as you're like going through like the book he'll even tell you like in the middle of the book he's like i know in this other book i told you this but this is how it really happened so it's really good i loved it it's so good (laughs) Cool. Cool, cool yeah i grabbed it yeah and then um, I'm reading a book called Gray Wolves, which is about the uh, the German U-boats. Um, mm. And in particular, it's, it's mostly about World War II, but they do talk about World War One as well, sort of the, the history of the, the U-boat war and the war against the, the British and American and Allied shipping and everything. So uh, I'm not done with that one yet. I'm still reading it, but that's pretty good so far. And then another book I read for Dian Ben Fu was Valley of the Shadow, which we had talked about. Have you read that one? Or I know you mentioned that it was to the me. one. That was the one I read. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I read that one as well. What do you think? Um, it was good. It was a little dry. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't. In fact, it was kind of interesting because you know Mitch recommended a different book to us today, and it just it sort of made me realize that I've been reading a lot of kind of dry history books lately which are nice to just gather information, but I'm really looking for stuff now that has interesting stories about people and particular missions and things like that. So I'm looking for some stuff like that to read next. Sure. Uh, We'll talk about um, that a little bit later on, because spoiler, our featured game is DMM Fu, The Final Gamble. Um, I think it's pretty good. I haven't read the other ones though, but... Yeah, I've read two, um, and they were both sort of on that dry history side. So, and they were fine. Sure. I mean, there was nothing wrong with it. I would just, I would love to hear of like, like the story about the the artillery guy that went out and killed himself with a grenade. You know, like a whole book just about him. Sure, 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 sure. Or was it the? Uh, it was the artillery. It was the French artillery from... commander that did no, that. No, 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 no. Um... One of the artillery units was from Africa. Oh yeah, yeah. The guys that like, have, like saved. One. They fought point blank. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that would that could probably be like a a whole short book. I yeah. Agree. Or even like 
I mean, any of the any of the French colonial units, and we're kind of jumping ahead now, but those guys were like the whole time the Vietnamese are like giving them propaganda. They're like, dudes, why are you fighting for France? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So he so that's written by Kevin Boylan and Luke Olivier. Yeah. Um, and they make an interesting point where it's like, well, the French are like I mean, the time period immediately following Dien Bien Phu is obviously um, their worldviews are are uh, biased. I sure. guess is what I'm trying to say. So he makes an interesting point about like, well, the French really can't say the Vietnamese are inferior and say their forces are superior because their forces are made up of the same people as the Vietnamese. It was an interesting yeah. book point at the end of the book that I actually really enjoyed. Yeah. Um. Just because it kind of went against, and I'm not saying it near as elegantly as the authors did, but uh, yeah, I think it's pretty good. Uh, those are usually the, the, my favorite parts of those history books is like the last chapter or so when they kind of summarize and like, okay, so not necessarily how could it have happened otherwise, but why it happened that way and what became right. of it. Yeah, yeah. Another thing, and we mentioned this when I talked about it, is at the end of each chapter, he summarizes, they summarize, like, here's what we just said for the last hour yeah which was nice because i did an audio book i don't know if you read this paper or audio that one was audio too yeah i really appreciated those uh and well shit since we're on it we might as well stay here <laughs> um my oh, my big complaint is there's no big picture information i was talking to um well mitch and i were actually playing this and i like this and it's a recent version the thing with like Last Valley and um, Hell in a Very Small Place is they're pretty old. And yeah. And this is a much newer um, take on DMV and Foo, uh, which is nice, but it doesn't have any of the kind of here's how we got here. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important. Which I would have really appreciated. I mean, if you just know, if you know nothing about it, you know, you sit down, you look at a map of Dien Bien Phu. And if you were to like, look at where the, all the forces were at the time, you're like, why the fuck were the French even there? I mean, I know they controlled the country theoretically and it was theirs, but why? <laughs> and, you know, basically Jab said, we've been looking for this fight. If you're going to drop a bunch of paratroopers right in the middle of us, it's on. <laughs> yeah. See, I mean, that stuff would have been, there's a little bit of it in the beginning, but like that stuff would have been really good early yeah. on. Like there's, there's almost more setup in the rules as a backstory than there is in this book. I mean, there's not quite that much, but, um, so, well, we'll talk a little we'll bit get more back about to that. that when yeah. we get our <laughs> so, uh, let's see what else we've been playing. Um, so again, we've talked about is I've been playing some Seki Gahara on Yukata. Oh I'm yeah, we gotta play, play that together. You bet you have been playing it? Uh-huh. It's a good implementation. Next week as well. Oh yeah, the Yukata version's fantastic. Um I don't know why the first time I played this it didn't click as much. I felt like a strong disconnect between the card play <laughs> and what I was trying to achieve, but I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm digging it this time. It's funny. I played it a few times in December with Rex. And he just didn't like it at all. Like, I think we oh, played right. it twice. And then the second time, halfway through, he's like, I, I don't I don't like this game and I don't want to play it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good for him for realizing yeah. that. We should all do that sometimes, I think. So uh, that's good. I'm sure we'll get that ranked at some point, um, especially because I got a 
in face play coming up with that. Uh, and then uh, ASL ATS, we've talked about them. Is ATS is that tournament still going on? Or are you done? Still going on. I've got to buy this round. Um, so in ATS, we played a Pavlov's house scenario, oh, cool. which is interesting because we did a review of that. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. a way different take. Sure. <laughs> um, and that came down to basically, well, it's it came down to a melee. But I also needed to control the second floor, which was vacant. I wouldn't have been able to move up to the second floor. Just didn't have time to get up there. Yeah. um, One, I thought I had one whole extra turn left. And I probably made my move on the building like one turn too late. I kind of went with like a approach from the north with most of my infantry. um, And like my machine guns from the south and my tanks from the west. And I think it actually worked okay. Um, But it's I think it's a tough... for the uh, Germans to win that ATS scenario. It was very fun, though. It was a very good scenario. Yeah. And then in ASL, I played a really good scenario that I liked um, that involved the Australians attacking the um, the Vichy French up on a hill. Oh, wow. That sounds cool. It was, it's completely unbalanced. <laughs> I, uh, was it historical? I mean, not historical ASL, but was the the battle actually at least a you know what I mean? You know, that's a good question because I didn't spend much time with the card because I didn't have it. Where where did it take place? Was it North uh, Africa? Well, I'm I'm trying to pull up scenario ASL scenario archive in in the background, and I I wasn't fast enough. <laughs> well, I mean, it must through the magic of editing, been, you right? are. I mean, I I mean, it wouldn't have been like Southern France, so it must have been probably North Africa. Yeah, although yeah, I yeah. mean. I mean, I know France had territories in the south in Southeast Asia, but I don't know if Vichy France ever fought over there. Probably not. Okay. Well, now you're gonna look. Okay, so the <laughs> the scenario is called the Governor, um, and I played with this uh, gentleman named Dennis, and Dennis was a fantastic um, opponent to play because he he knew the rules was super helpful. And this oh, was my best. first round. I love playing against people that are way better. Oh, so nice. Games go so fast. <laughs> what? So he actually left one of the hexes completely undefended. And, like, I let him do all his moves. And then I pointed out, I was like, hey, I mean, technically, I just won because you can't, you, there's no way from you stopping me from me stepping on this hex. And, but I was like, go ahead and back it up. Like, you've been holding yeah. my hand through this entire <laughs> thing. Like, please. Yeah. Um, ASL so- is, I mean, it's such an amazing game because it's so fun. You can play it just like that. Or you could play it hyper competitively right. and either way is good. Right. 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 Um, and like he was, if he was a, if he was a jerk, I would have been like, no, nah, <laughs> but you know, he wasn't. And so I completely uh, had a blast. If I would have won that, I would have gone two and O, but other than like, there's one hex you can take, or you can take all these multi hex buildings. And it's just, I think it's way too hard for the Australians. And like the balancing is you get rid of one of the French tanks, which are the French tanks don't do shit. They can't move the first round anyways. And so it's like, well, this, this needs some more balancing. So I wouldn't play it in a tournament again, but yeah. for like a purely fun value, like it's a, um, it's a two tier hill with all these buildings and the French can come in from two different map sides. Um, it's really fun. It is, it takes place in Syria, 1941. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's called the Governor, and it was in that new MMP action pack, the land down under. Pretty okay, fun. Cool. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of 
it for me. My wife and I played a couple of games. I've just been so busy. I've canceled a lot of stuff. Yeah. Oh, we've been playing the U.S. Civil War, which has been bonkers. Um, Lee is in Pittsburgh or Philadelphia right now or some shit like that. But um, I saw you Beauregard... posted something on Twitter a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but update. the other night, the other night, like we completely, we being the, I'm playing the South like pushed back the union hard and they got completely demoralized basically everything they had done for the first five turns got pushed back um and then i think i got a little too greedy and i just the last turn uh long street just drove oh god some union general that's a nobody really um out of richmond <laughs> while lee is in like philadelphia or some shit it's like what is happening I think I've had that happen. I think I've had like random U.S. generals head down toward Richmond, and yeah, it's good. It's always good. So oh yeah. What about you? What about you? What have you been playing? Uh, played some more downtown. We we played a couple scenarios of that. I can't remember where I was last time we recorded, but we finished one and started another and finished a second one as well. So we played a couple scenarios from downtown. So that's the uh, the air war game um, over Hanoi, North Vietnam. Um, same series as Red Storm and uh, Elusive Victory and Bloody April. Um, and I just, I love that game. It's so much fun. I would play more of it. And then we actually, we we ended up that one and we, we transitioned. We started planning for Elusive Victory because that's what we were going to play next. Uh -huh. And unfortunately, work just completely blew up on me and I had to cancel. So um, they are continuing to play that because there were three of us playing with a fourth person that was kind of interested. So, and then I think they even found another guy. So I'm happy for them. They've, they've got a game. I would feel really bad if I canceled and they couldn't play, but they're still going to be able to play. So they're going to continue on with a list of victory. And then I'll pick back up probably in July when work calms down. Nice. And then right now we're actually starting up a game of submarine online, which is cool. Yeah, it's, it's the old, old Avalon Hill game, um, and we've got, I think there's five or six of us, like two of us, or three of us on the Allied side, and then a couple guys playing German submarines attacking our convoy, so we'll see how it goes. Um, we're playing it double blind with one guy just as a referee, and uh, and I don't think any of us know it very well, but we're just going to play on Vassal and enjoy it. It looks, it looks really fun, so I'm looking forward to it. Nice, yeah. nice, nice, nice. Cool. That's about uh, it for me. Uh, it's it's going to be slow the next two months. Um, obviously, next week we've got the cons, so I'll get to play a lot. Then after that, it's going to be nothing but work until probably end of June. And then after that, it'll be more games. Good. And then then not too long after that, it'll be Stork Fest. I know. Yeah, I've got a. I've also got a. Um, like with with the tax automatically being extending to May fifteenth, it's oh, like yeah. May is going to be just as busy. So. Well, I'll be a little busy. Uh, hey, I've got a game. Uh, I didn't even tell you about this. So, uh, you don't have a choice to play. This isn't AAC. And this <laughs> is not a quiz. So, no history is involved. And we'll see how it goes. And if it's fun, we'll keep up with it. Um, basically, I've got 10 clues. And, like, as soon, the faster you guess. So, I'm going to read a clue. And you can guess. The faster you guess right, the more points you get. So if I have 10 clues and you guess after I read three clues, you get seven points. Make okay. Sense? I love okay. it. You're Do I get to guess. know like what the, uh, what, what the subject or the topic is? Well, that's one of the clues. That's one of the clues. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You ready? All right. I'm ready. Okay. So the first clue is, uh, this is a war game 
designed by Joseph Bukowski. Balkowski. Balkowski. Um, I was actually just you can talking. Guess, you can guess as many times. Like, you can guess once per clue. Or Korea. Time. No. No. But good. Um, mm. <laughs> That's a sore subject. <laughs> I, I only mentioned that because someone was just asking me about Korea games, and they asked about that one and OCS. And I said, well, I haven't played the Balkowski games, but I'll tell you about OCS. I really hope people out there are dumping their <laughs> old ones because I would love a copy. I've wanted to play the for, uh, uh, forgotten word the the Bukowski one, yeah, uh, for a long time. So hopefully that Kickstarter, which I'm not backing, um, frees up some copies. Okay, uh, that's one. Okay, um, I was designed in or I was published in 1986. 86 Bukowski, and you know what? 86 isn't that big a clue. By Victory Games. Uh, I don't know that this is a Balkowski game, but I'll just guess uh, Central America. Good guess, but no. Okay. Okay. Next clue is this is a, a refinement of a popular Victory Games series. So the 80-whatever was a refinement? Or the 86, since refined? The 86 game is a refinement of a game in a popular Victory Games game system. Interesting. Um, now you got me totally thrown off because I was thinking it first came on the eighties. So eighties, it's already an old game by then. Um, <laughs> the next war. I don't think nice, that's Bukowski. Nope. Uh, the countries involved include Russia, United Kingdom, USA. That's probably good. Just those three, or, or just uh, oh wow, well, okay. at least those, those three. three. All right, yeah. uh, man, the moonshine's hitting me hard now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, victory games. Uh, the Second World War. Nope. No, um, let's see so. how many clues. Is that four clues? Yeah, I think so. Let's see. This is the part Designer, when the listeners go, why do I listen year, to this guy talk about one? <laughs> well, so if you're, if you get it, if you're a listener and you can get it after like one clue, uh, let me know and we'll say good job. If you're Joe Balkowski. <laughs> yeah. He's, well, I don't know who he is, <laughs> but he's probably thinking. Um, okay. Uh, the categories on BGG are modern warfare, war game, and nautical. Oh, okay. So I already guessed uh, the next war. Mm-hmm. Um, modern harpoon. He wasn't involved in that. That was I know the the author was did harpoon, but maybe Balkowski had a part of that. Nope. Nope. All right. All right. Halfway halfway through it, this game examines the Soviet Red Banner Northern Fleet and the U.S. Second Fleet. Second Fleet. Oh fuck! <laughs> if you if you wouldn't have said second, I still wouldn't have guessed it. <laughs> Son of a bitch! That was completely accidental. Oh, ding ding ding! Oh, so there we you, go. Get four, you get four points. Right? You get six clues. Oh boy! Call it three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I did that. Uh, nice. There you go. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if there's any feedback on that. We'll I like it. Going if, uh, yeah. Yeah, so let us points. let us know for sure how well you guys did. <laughs> That's right. Don't be a liar. Keep scoring home. Four points for Gryffindor. 
Uh, good. Okay. Uh, should we talk about our game? Yeah, let's do. Because there's one other game we both play that we haven't talked about. That's right. That's uh, that's. Well, we have kind of talked about it, but that is Dmbim Fu: The Final Gamble uh, by Legion Games, designed by Kim Kanger. Um, and I think Kim Kanger did the map as well. I think he did the map art as as well, if I remember right. Um, and we've talked about um this on and off like kind of what the what the topic is basically it's uh french versus um vietnamese forces in um vietnam in the 1950s 54 i want to say okay good you remember better than i do i think that's right basically uh france occupies the valley of dambian phu and the Viet Minh kind of uh surround them bombard the crap out of this outpost and uh it ends up being a a very decisive Viet Minh victory over the french yeah late 53 into 54 okay yeah. there you go um and basically the the entire time is is a really interesting story and the story comes through in the gameplay which we'll talk about but just setting the scene a little bit the French basically, this is an isolated outpost for all intents and purposes. I mean, it is. And so the main way of supply was airdrops. And as the Viet Minh moved further and further in and did more and more damage to the airfield, those airdrops became less and less reliable. And that actually, that, that translate to uh game that translate into gameplay mechanics as well. Yeah. Eventually the French were actually supplying the Vietnamese with those airdrops more than themselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also a game mechanic, which is, uh, which is pretty yeah. cool. And it, it's interesting because it's really um, like the Viet Minh suffered huge amounts of casualties, but it ends up being the story of like the French breaking. Right. I mean, it's yeah. yeah and it French elite troops. I mean, historically right. sort of the, the importance of the battle is this was the battle that caused the French to say, screw this, we don't need to be in Vietnam anymore, which led to the U.S. jumping into Vietnam because they said we can't have Vietnam just fall over to the communists. So, I mean, this this battle was really the beginning of the, the U.S.-Vietnam War. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's briefly touched upon in the, uh, the Ken Burns Vietnamese, uh, not Vietnamese, Vietnam War uh, documentary. Yeah, in the early episodes, I don't remember much. I told myself I was going to go back and rewatch it, but I didn't. Um, yeah, it's not on Netflix anymore, and I don't. I don't oh, have PBS. Yeah, they did. Um, also, a couple things worth noting, just like um, to paint the picture. It's also this really interesting story where the and the French would try to knock them out, but you know, overnight they would just rebuild. Basically, the the Viet Minh built these trenches to move closer and closer to yeah. all these French outposts and that's it right? so that's a huge game mechanic and they talk about it in both the books i've read so obviously it's a huge deal right. but it is hard to picture what it actually looks like right. i agree i agree and and um i guess one more like painting the picture thing is like dmm few is this um this outpost the villa is it a vi was it a village i guess i don't remember but I mean, and it, was then just, it had it was just like an airstrip it was not it had <laughs> all these um, sometimes not supporting, like sometimes isolated, but all of these outposts yeah. and strong points. 
um, and they all they all had French female names, and so they they all kind of become these important uh, landmarks as, as, as you play the game, they're very clear right off the bat. And as you read about DMM Fu, you realize how important they are. So that's kind of main central hub with all of these different strong points, um, spread throughout the Valley. Yeah. And the game itself is all about, if you're the French, it's, it's your job to hold on as long as you absolutely can. And if it's the Vietnamese, it's your job to squeeze the French until they break. Mm-hmm. The one thing I'll mention real quick is if you haven't seen it yet, um, the Bruce Garrick video on this game in particular is yeah, really he, he did a whole series of of DNBN Fu games, but this one right. in particular. Right. The first time I ever heard a Bruce Garrick thing was his his podcast, and it was when I was first getting into war games, and he was doing his top five through one i think in that episode and he mentioned this game and i went out and bought it I hadn't had my friendly local game store order it right away and then it sat on my shelf for years and then uh the second edition came out and i bought it and that set for like a year and i made it out to be this like in my mind is this really tough game that i'm never going to be able to play my f- immediate takeaway from this game is this game is simple in rule, well, sorry, it's not simple. This game is straightforward. No, I guess yes. Yeah, it is extremely tough in decisions yeah. and tactics. I think. So I'll take a, and actually, I'll take a step back, just sure. from a meta yeah. level, not even talking about this game because this question comes up. In fact, I think we had it on our either Discord or Facebook page recently, and someone's like, "Well, how do you learn a game?" I mean, because some of these games, you look at the rule book, and it's it's huge, and you can read through the rule book, but by the time you get to the end, you forgot the beginning. This is the perfect example of a game where you can sit down with the rule book and you can play it as you go because the mm-hmm. rule book is the sequence of play. Mm-hmm. So you'll literally go through the rule book. Okay, it's the Vietnamese tactical movement phase. Here are the things you can do. You can move these units this many times. Here's the Vietnamese assault phase. Here's what you do. You get these pluses and these minuses. Everything, you can literally just go through the rule book as you play the game. It's the, It may be one of the only games I've ever read, uh, I've ever played, where I don't think you have to read the rule book ahead of time. I did because that's what I'm used to doing, but then sure. I've realized afterwards I didn't have to. Yeah, uh, like, I guess if you're just learning, like, I mean, the only thing that would probably be missing is, I guess he touches on it pretty well himself, too, is, like, how to win. Yeah. Um, but I think he even mentioned something that affected being in the rule book. It's only, like, a 20-page rule book um, as well. So, like, I, I agree. I, I did not do that. I sat down with, like, a highlighter, which I, I just tend to do anyways with the uh, most recent rules and read through it and then set it up. And then played in person and then tore it down and reset it up later on because I had made, uh, I say it was simple, but I had made some, some basic mistakes and, uh, moved on to one of the later scenarios. Sure. But I, I, I agree actually. I think you could just get it set up and start going. Yeah. And for that reason, the re- where I was going with that is the, the rules itself of the game. There are some tricky parts that I had to kind of go, what, how does this work? But for the most part, you just kind of go through the sequence of play and it tells you you can move four guys and you can move them in this box and that box. You can move six guys on this turn and you can move them up five movement points or whatever. 
yeah, I don't, um, any, I guess before we dive any further into the game, any other, like, big picture stuff about the game or, like, did you hear about this from Bruce Garrick's stuff? So, yep, well? exact same way. I think Bruce Garrick probably should be getting a commission on this game because I, <laughs> I, I, you and me and I know of other people that have bought this game because he talked about how great it was. Yeah. It really is a good series. And he even, uh, he goes over other games on the topic, does a great job with them. Uh, it's good stuff. Yeah. And on the um, video, he's actually playing it with Kim Kanger. So. Right. It's right. not like you're watching them play, but it's more like he's showing highlights of turns and stuff. Yep. Um. Okay. So this is, yeah. So this is a game on uh, Diamin Fu, um, which... Uh, it's called the final gamble, which uh, Kinger points out pretty quickly. Like this was a Vipman, like this was their opportunity, but they also committed, which I did not know this, over half their like total strength in the country to this battle. Wow! Can you imagine doing that in any other game? Imagine right. playing a U.S. Civil War and you've got the entire map in front of you and half of your armies are like marching right. on DC. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I thought that was fascinating. Again, that was something that was missing from the book we talked about. Yeah. Um, I don't remember hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's somewhere on like the first page or something, just as synopsis. Um, I, I found that like mind blowing. Um, so uh, yeah, one player is the Viet Minh, uh, Viet Minh. The other player is the French and um the Viet Minh player, just like big picture, what they're trying to do is advance these trench zones. And the way they advance the trench zones is by clearing strongholds, which is their kind of overall objective, and outposts. And once they're clear, they can finish digging in that area and advance the trench. And the benefit yeah. there is then they are entrenched because, as I learned, playing opposed, if you have Viet Minh in the open... That's real easy targets for the French. Yeah, because at the end of the Viet Minh turn, if they're not entrenched, they're already shaken. Like, you don't even need to open, use artillery. They just get automatically shaken. They do not like being out of their trenches. But the interesting thing about the trenches is, to some degree, you get to move them automatically. I mean, you can't just like walk them right. all the way up to the center of everything, but you do have to clear outposts. But advancing the trenches helps you clear the outposts, which helps you advance the trenches. So it's pretty cool. Right. Um, and basically, as a Vietnam, you're trying to knock off enough strong points, uh, which are a cluster of hexes. Um, and there's a track to keep track of how many you've taken. And at some point, you can start demanding that the French... Uh, surrender mm -hmm. um, and it's not like an automatic thing and, and there's consequences right, it's a risk. to the French yeah. right oh yeah and if you don't succeed like it's bad for the the Viet Minh as well yeah if, if and it's a die roll I mean it's a modified die roll so you you right. get to a point where you feel confident that you're going to make the die roll but if you're all poorly on that it's like taking four steps back so you, you play through the game um, the Viet these have Viet Minh. I'm gonna make that mistake a lot. The Viet Minh have kind of like an opening movement, and then they have their kind of assault phase, which is really the the bread and butter. You have you have um, artillery bombardment where you're monitoring ammo. We'll get to like the supply stuff, which is a huge component of this game, from manpower to medicine to ammo, 
all of that stuff matters. Um, basically, you get into um, your assault phase, and you can either rest or assault. And sometimes you want to rest your whole division to... Um, Rebuild their morale. Re, yeah, right, to increase their morale. You're constantly monitoring the uh, Viet, Viet Minh morale. You declare your assaults. The French go through a defensive fire, and then you carry out your assault fire and then you kind of then there's um the french take supply attrition and then the french kind of turn around and do their exact same thing bombardments assault uh Viet Minh defense fire french fire and then you do the the yeah. whole trench phase that's kind of the flow after supply again. attrition the french also get to resupply which is a big mechanic as well oh yeah 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 so let's go ahead and since you brought it up let's let's talk about that right i love that mechanic it's so cool yep so I mentioned it, um, Rich, you can talk about the mechanics, but basically the Viet Minh are basically tracking their morale, manpower, and artillery ammo. And there's some other like counters for like counter battery fire and, and things and like that. But there's not much are... they can do. Like if you're right. low on ammo, you just, you don't you get use three. as much, right. but you're, you it's basically just going to be three every turn, no matter what you do. Right. Now the French, on the other hand, are tracking manpower, fuel, replacements, medicine food medicine manpower ammo all of that stuff and they actually you fly it in on airdrops yeah which is the my favorite mechanic in the whole game because during the french resupply phase which actually happens in the middle of the two turns like in between the Viet Minh turn and the french turn you basically got 18 slots on aircraft that you can fill up so you can put like two troops or one type of supply in there. Now, some of the supplies like medicine, it's only one counter, but it counts as six. So it's not like you only get one medicine. Um, but you get 18 to completely fill up. Now, that changes depending on several ha things that happen during the game. If if you rolled poor weather the turn before or if there's too many guys in the Laos or lots of different things, sometimes you don't get to fill them all up. But for the most part, at the beginning, at least, you get 18 slots to fill up. And then you roll to see how many have to abort, either due to weather or anti-aircraft fire. So say you roll and you roll poorly. Well, actually, like an average roll would be like six, six aborts. So then you have to roll your dice six more times, and you look over and you take away that many slots of the 18. Now, sometimes you can get take away the same slot twice, which means you only lost five that time. But in any case you're not going to get all that stuff that you loaded onto the planes. So you look at it and you're like, okay, well, I need medicine. I need, I need food. I need to get some more troops in here. And then you roll and because of weather and anti-aircraft and everything, you're like, crap, none of the medicine made it through this <laughs> turn right. and I'm screwed. <laughs> right. And then later in the game, you start actually misdropping things as the VN men start taking over more strongholds and then they can roll to start picking up the supplies that you misdropped. Which really sucks for the French. <laughs> there are hearing you talk about that just like reminds me of things like the French have to lose enough guys before French command is like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll we actually send guys. That, yeah. <laughs> there are so many little extra chrome things like this that, um, and, and Bruce Garrick hits on this. This is not like an original thought of mine, but you see it in the gameplay. Like, Kim Kanger just comes up with a lot of really cool ideas of how to express the reality. Like, how do you gamify 
missing their drops yeah. without just like now I don't mind OCS where like you just roll on a table and you get this many supply points and you just got to make them work. That's fine with me. I love it. It's great. I love OCS. I have no problem with that system. But here's like a a cool Euroy version, you know, because it's like a grid base mm-hmm. and you're knocking out the squares. Uh, that's just really cool. And then you add like, well, the French were really reluctant to send in more guys. They didn't think it was that bad a situation or. And so you actually have to start losing guys before they can actually come in. And he's gamified all of this great chrome Oh yeah, that's really enjoyable. And so, like, hearing Rich talk about the airdrops, I'm just forewarning, I know we're going to miss, like, some really cool little rule that um, is gamed very well. Yeah. Another rule that I think is interesting is how they do losses in the game. So... The French, if you lose a guy in battle, you know, you roll poorly, get assaulted, uh, this guy, you lose a step or whatever. You basically roll to see whether he's injured or dead. Um, And I think it's I think it's like one to four is injured, five or six is dead. Um, So two thirds chance he's just going to be injured. So you put him in like your your injured pile. You still have to feed those guys. And you have to spend medicine to take care of those guys. So all of that stuff is still costing you supplies, even though those guys are useless to you in battle. And I, I think that's such a cool mechanic because in both of the books that I read, they talk over and over again about how terrible the hospital situation was there. And then later on, you know, the hospital is like it's 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 under two feet of water because the whole thing is at the bottom of a valley in monsoon season. And they're trying to treat these guys, and it's just insane. I don't, I don't know what else to say because, I mean, that's that's kind. Of, I know we we haven't hit on every rule, and I don't, I don't want to go through the rules, but like that's kind of it. You work through those phases, and you have all this wonderful chrome, but then you look at the map, and it's just like. Yeah. What the hell do I do? Well, I remember because... setting up the map at the very beginning. You put all the French guys on the map and all the Viet Minh guys at the edges, and you go, there's no way the Viet Minh can take this. <laughs> I mean, the, the French have this strongly defended. It looks good for the French. Right. Yes. But they keep coming. <laughs> I mean, the Viet Minh, so that's another mechanic I do want to talk about. The Viet Minh, at the beginning of the game, it depends on when you start the game. Like, if you play from the beginning, you get something like 68 or 69 replacement points for the Viet Minh. 79. Is that what it is? Okay. I think so. But every time you spend one, that division's morale goes down. Mm-hmm. Because you're bringing not when in... you lose guys. Right. It's not when they lose guys. It's when you bring in new guys to replace them, because they don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> right. So... You have to balance. That's where Matt said earlier, you know, you can rest an entire division to bring their morale back up. But if you just keep throwing guys into combat, that that, Marisha, that division's morale is going to be really low. So you look at it from the Vietnamese point of view and you look at it from the outside and you're like, I don't have enough to take all this, but I'm going <laughs> right. to keep sending guys at it. I'm going to keep replacing them. And hopefully, you know, I can, I can take that strong point before my morale drops too low, and then I will rest them to build their morale back up while they take replacements to defend it, and then someone else is going to have to take a, take a different strong point. Right. Yeah, well, you're resting another yeah. division. Um, and what's you notice that morale, like maybe, so it's on a chart of five or a, a scale of five, and there's like several boxes for five before you drop to four and all that stuff. And like, I don't think you notice the five to four. 
Oh man, once you start getting low, you the losses really start to yeah. Because that French artillery fire starts just mangling guys. Losses, you calculate losses by looking at their morale. Like that's the table or the column you're on on the loss charts. So morale is super important, and it's not that big a deal to be at five or four. But once you start dropping, it's like yeah, because most of the French guys are. Well, fours. Yeah, the actual French four, guys I think right. are fours, and the like the Thai guys are lower. But the Thai guys are mostly, if you're playing it right, assuming I know what I'm doing, they're mostly there just to support. Yeah, I I have no idea what I'm doing, is, <laughs> but it's it's a good no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, and and that's that's a theme that we've talked about before. It's one of the reasons I like U.S. Civil War so much is they're interesting decisions. Like I just look at Isabel and it's like, how am I even supposed to crack uh, Isabel, which is like the, the strong yeah. point that's isolated and, and probably like the second largest behind DM Binfu size wise. Mm-hmm. It's got its own supply, all this stuff. And it's like, as the Viet Minh, I know I need to knock out Isabel uh, just like mechanically. And because you got to knock him out anyways. And like, I just look at it. It's like, Oh, I have no idea how. Yeah. Cause Isabel has its own supply <laughs> and, you can't creep up on it. Like as soon as you show up on the map to Isabel, you are right there in the French face. <laughs> and it takes a while to get the trenches there too. Right. It's a crawl. And I think you just got to be from the Viet Minh side. You just got to be okay with the losses. So let's talk about like playing the French side, um, which is like shit sucks. Yeah, it like, does. I find yeah, my... you, you have a strong point. You nailed it perfectly. Like you are, you have all these great locations. You have tanks, and you have a whole bunch of artillery and all this stuff. But things will progressively start to get worse, and things are going to catch up to you. Yeah, and once they start getting into the strong points, then you still technically hold it as far as like victory points and everything. But once they're in there. They've got a foothold and they get that entrenchment bonus from the strong point. They don't have to go up the hill anymore. It makes it a lot easier for them to take the strong point from within the strong point. And it's hard for the French to counterattack because they are kind of spread out. Yeah. I think you got to look for like a division that has is regrouping with low morale or something. I don't know. Yeah. So like I said, um, one thing we haven't talked on, and one thing that I think this is lacking, I I don't know how else you would do it, but there's four scenarios. But really, it's scenario A, B, C, or D, and they're just different times in the battle. So like when you're playing scenario C, you're just fast-forwarding a little bit, which is what I did, uh, which was good. I like that, but I do wonder... um, Well, I think the game's super replayable, but I wouldn't mind like... What if there was just like an Isabel scenario or something like that? And I mean, I'm just now I'm nitpicking, right? Yeah. Um, well, so you that's... could even do that, like like in Silver Bayonet, and just print Isabel on its own map. Sure. Just a, yeah, an you... eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper. Here's Isabel. That's that's sort of your learning scenario on how to do assaults. Right. But that was a little minor disappointment. Was just the scenarios, but it also like. Once I played and then played, then I set up scenario C, which was nice to see that like progress further because it was going to take me a long time yeah. to f- progress that far. Yeah, I don't think I. I mean, I 
I, that never occurred to me. Like I wish there were more scenarios or anything. So I just kind of started from the beginning and just kept playing through. I did reset once and start over. Um, but other than that, I always just started at the beginning. With I a, guess it, I, maybe on Vassal or something be interesting setting up the last one just to sort of see how that last push looks. Yeah, yeah that would be interesting. Uh, I'm wondering like, uh, like combat feels great. Like I like it's different. It's um, you're kind of like rolling twice. Um, like you add up all your modifiers and then you roll. Yeah. And compare that to the strength, and that gets your modifier on then the loss roll. It's a little different, but I think it's fun. It's enjoyable. Yeah. If you do an assault, I I have no idea what the actual percentages are, but it feels like an assault is usually go more than 50% chance it's going to succeed. You're probably going to take losses, but even if you take losses on the defensive fire, you're still going to roll in and cause at least a choice, which would be the other side either choosing to retreat or take a step loss. Yeah, I mean, you could have things go poorly and, like, have it aborted. Yeah, yeah, and that happens, but, but it's not super common that that happens. And even, but I noticed that, like, the difference between a loss and hesitate and a surprise, it ends up not being that much, because once you get your DRM from your your initial assault roll, you basically, you start off with your strength, which is going to be probably like either seven or nine if you're Vietnamese, maybe a five, but I don't know why you're attacking with those guys. If you're French, it's probably going to be like somewhere in the six to seven range. Um, and then you get a lot of pluses for other stuff like tanks and guys that are next to you and all that stuff. And you'll end up with like a modified strength number. So say you end up with a 10. You roll a couple dice, and if you roll five higher or five lower than that number, you get a plus two or minus two. If you roll less than that, but still higher or lower, you get a minus one or a minus two on your next roll. And your next roll is just a single D6. So the plus one, plus two is not, I mean, it, it does make a difference, but most of the time you end up, I mean, your typical assault roll is going to be the other guy's going to take a loss or a choice. But you're going to get chewed up on your defensive fire as well. So, right. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like what else to mention. Like, okay, so one thing you've talked about before is how does this game make you feel? Yeah. Uh, so what do you think? Because like I think I've expressed it like as the Vietnamese, I suffer crippling anxiety over what to do, and as the French, it's just like, well, shit, <laughs> like. There goes our food. <laughs> uh, so I think for me, it does. What about you? Yeah, I think you definitely feel like you feel like the the ground commanders of these two forces, whether it's Jap or was it DeCastries? Oh, shit. I don't remember. I think it is. I'm not, I don't remember <laughs> names like that. Should we talk about um, the box combat just real quick? Yeah, that's one of the more confusing ones, I think. I just think it's it's interesting because... The Viet Minh player just picks the losses. <laughs> right. But both sides take the same amount. Yeah, so it's like a... if if you're French, you have to have box combat. Like if you're in a box and it's the French person's turn, you have to fight him. If you're the Vietnamese, you don't have to. But like Matt said, you basically just decide, okay, we each lose this many steps. Right. Yep. And boxes are like transition zones or like off map areas. Yeah, or, it's or basically like it's it's Laos and it's the area right. between the main 
Dien Bien Phu area and Isabel. It's basically like those two areas are considered the boxes. It's just because Isabel, know, if you don't know the battlefield, it's it's it was set pretty far apart from the rest of them. I think it was like a mile away. Well, this is a nice transition to if if they want to get to know the battlefield, let's talk recommended reading. Sure. I everything we said about Valley of the Shadow, which is the Boylan book. Even though it doesn't paint the big picture, it doesn't set the scene of Vietnam during this time period, I think, I haven't read the other, so I can't, if you just want a battle recap of here's how things progressed over these two months, then I highly recommend that book. Yeah, it's good. And and I will note that Kim Kanger points out that that book influenced a lot of changes to the second edition. Um, because of its updated information. Yeah. There's another book that I would add to that. I've talked about it before briefly. It's it's just called Dien Bien Phu, The Epic Battle That America Forgot. It's a smaller book. It's by like the History of War series by Howard Simpson. Um, it's the same type of book. It's, it's fairly dry. It's just for, sort of straightforward. It doesn't go into as much detail. Um, so it's a shorter book too, but if you're looking for just a basic book, that tells you what happened here and sort of how it happened. That's a good one too. And then I think the other two is, and if you go watch the, the Garrick stuff, his last video talks about all these books. Um, I think the other two that people go to, we mentioned Bernard falls, hell in a very small place, which is dated. And then the last Valley by Windrow. Yeah. So haven't read those and then go watch the, uh, the Vietnam What's his name? No, you talk about Max Hastings? No, no, no. Are no, you no. talking about uh, Burns? Ken Burns. Thank okay, you. yeah. Yeah, Max Hastings has a whole chapter on uh, oh, Dave as well. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, that, that double whammy there. Was it good? Uh, that chapter, the whole. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Max That's Hastings, obviously, also. that one's super heavy. It's, it's long and it goes much more into the politics and everything else. That's not just a diet. Dian Bien Phu book, but the chapter on Dian Bien Phu is good, yeah. Well, uh, anything else that we should say about the game? Any Anything you didn't like about the game? Um, the trenches, mm-hmm. the, the trench map, you know, I found myself going back to, to that a lot, trying to figure out whether the Viet Minh were mm-hmm. in trenches and where they could move and where they could assault from and still be entrenched, because it's a very important mechanic. Um, you know, they get a lot of bonuses if they stay in the trenches, even when they're attacking. They want to be attacking from trenches. There's a right. whole separate player aid that just shows like where the trenches are. But it's a little confusing because there's like different trench levels and there's lots of lines on there. And you have to I don't know how that could be better, but I wish it could have been. Yeah, I agree. Um, but um, yeah, I think I would to say I agree. I think the other one I already hit on, uh, which is just lack of scenarios. I mean, even with, even if you jump to the April, mid-April scenario and do uh, scenario D, you still got plenty of game ahead of you. Um, Isabel's still standing. A lot of the other strong points have fallen. So you're, you're always biting off a lot. Um, but that's not really a knock. I mean, yeah. just know what you're. 
you can always next door dnbn food scenario if you want <laughs> <laughs> you really want it short run that's right <laughs> Uh, yeah, other than that, rules are great. Uh, I think the counters are nice. This isn't a super counter-dense game. Like I said, I made this game out to be this really unapproachable. Like, no, because like, like stacking for the Viet Minh is one. Right. I mean, you'll end up with other stuff like assault markers and support markers and all that, but yeah. One pretty full GMT counter is like what you're dealing with here um, from like uh, just pieces-wise. Yeah. Uh, map's good. I, I like that all of the tracks are on the map. You know, because there's a lot of things <laughs> okay. to track of, but they're all on the map. And it's all just like, I mean, it's a one map game with everything on it. So there are the player aid cards and the the, uh, the separate trench tr- map. But other than that, everything is on the main map. I will say uh, Vassal has spoiled me. Yeah. Like I set it up, I started playing and like the, the tracks are assuming that you're sitting on opposite sides of the table. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so that like, is something I was going to mention. I played a game that yes. had it and I was just like, <laughs> Son of so a- it's a two player game, but if you're playing solo, then one of the sides is going to be upside down for you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And but not really on Vassal. Threw me off because, like, I, you know, just like thinking back, the last few games we've talked about, like, well, Pavlov's house was solo. Yeah. And Thunder of the Ozarks, all the charts are on player aid cards. So there's nothing on the map. And the only time I ever really noticed that was on Viet Minh bombardments. Because that's the only, I think, the only table that was upside down for me. Everything else was just like tracks or it was sideways. Sure. It's good. I think if if that didn't come through, I really like this game. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I guess it. I didn't explicitly say that, but I think I don't want to speak for Richard, but like my excitement should be an indication of how much I enjoyed this game. Yeah. And I think, you know, you mentioned this and I was feeling the same way. This is not one that I'm going to be like, okay, well, we recorded, we reviewed it, yep. put it away. I, I'm going to keep this one out. It's fun. Yeah. Mitch uh, and I said, we'll keep our game going and, um, at least through the weekend, I'm going to keep it up. I should probably pack it up before I go out of town just to tidy up. But like, I'm, I plan on pushing some more stuff around. We'll see. Um, good, 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 good. Uh, let's see. We did recommend reading. Um, what else has Kim Kanger done? I know he's done some other games, but I can't. So he's got, um, he's got that heart of Africa game coming out. Okay. Um, which sounds interesting. That is on my, I forget what they call their like P500 deal. Just pre-order, so there's, pre-order or whatever. Yeah. And he did a Burma game, which That's seems right. okay. And then he had a uh, Tonkin game. And there's one more. Let me check. And I know of at least. Oh, no, he's got several more. Heart of Darkness is the one that's coming out. Um, which is about adventuring and exploration in Africa. There was an Algerian war game, the Burma game, the Tonkin game, and then there's Road to Sharon, which is an East Africa game, mm. World War II. I haven't played any of those. It's the only one I played as. Yeah. I've looked at the Burma stuff before. I just never, uh, I don't know. I don't think it has the same wow. Yeah. Uh, it could be a perfectly good game. I just, uh, yeah. So I'm looking at it now. Okay. Well, he's got a solid one with this one. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we've got a list. Should we put this on that list? We should. Okay. 
uh, Richard. We are, and I we're have... chipping away at the marble and seeing That's where right. it lands. Yep, we have a list of every war game ever made. We're ranking all of them um, from one to well, this will be one to thirty-five. So we got a long, long way to go. Um, I had a brilliant realization when I was playing it. It's like this is the perfect thing to compare this against. And I have completely forgotten what my brilliant, like, <laughs> I had a great starting point. So do you have a starting point in mind, like a floor? It's definitely better than Zeppelin Raider. Okay, which is the worst game. <laughs> um, dang, I really had, like, a... No, I mean, I think let's let's just start right where we left off. Um, I like this one better than Thunder in the Ozarks. All right, Thunder in the Ozarks is at 11. Yeah. Um, I'd probably agree with that. So below that, Battle Hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers, Blitzkrieg Legend, Axis Empires, Imperial Struggle, Last 100 Yards, Normandy 44, and SPQR. Yeah, yeah. I think it's better than yeah. all those. So but the, to crack any higher than that, now you're talking top 10, and that that's a tough nut to crack. So that's my starting point is right around there. You set a pretty high barrier with here. I yeah. <laughs> I mean, just personally for you, you talked about how – how hard it was to overcome here I stand, which is the bottom of the top ten yeah. right now. Um, so above here I stand is Empire of the Sun, mm-hmm. and then Silver Bayonet, and then Stalingrad Forty Two, which I still need to play. Maybe we could play that next week. Is there a small scenario of that? I'm oh, sorry, no. I'm off track. No, not really. All right, so here I. This is hard. Um, man, here I stand's good. I know. This feels like 11 for me. It feels like feels like it can't quite crack the top 10, but I like it better than Thunder in the Ozarks. Yeah, I do like it more than Thunder in the Ozarks. From like a, it's kind of like the internal struggle I have with Coin, which is like, I want to play a war game. I don't want to play a counterinsurgency spread propaganda game, <laughs> right? And so with Here I Stand, you're not playing that for combat. Right. Not that it has plenty of combat. You're playing the that's pl- not why you're playing that game. And so then it th- that's why I'm struggling with this. Like, this has really satisfying combat and tactical decisions. But, man, here I see it tells a fantastic story. Mm-hmm. What about Empire of the Sun? Man, these games are so different. They're as different as you can get. I mean, the thing about Empire of the Sun is the same thing that's good about this. It's really good at what it does. Empire of the Sun is excellent at showing the importance of air power for maintaining, you know, communication lines in the Pacific war supply lines. This Mm -hmm. game is excellent at showing how important it is and how hard it is for the French to keep their supply while they're surrounded in 1954 Vietnam. So they're both excellent at what they do. Is Empire of the Sun better than this game? Worse than this game? I don't know. I mean, and even with Here I Stand, as much as I love Here I Stand, the reason it's so low on the list is because it has to have six players. Right. You know, this one, I mean, this plays great solitaire. I, mm-hmm. It's going to play great with two players. You don't need to put together a group of six and have all day to play it. Empire of the Sun is a longer game, um, but again, it's only a two-player game as well. Yeah, I just, um, even though Empire of the Sun is ranked higher than Here I Stand, I just feel like that's a easier hurdle to get over just because... Here I Stand, is the, the issue with that one is at its highest, it should be higher, but at its lowest, you know, if you don't have mm-hmm. six, then it's probably not even number 10. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, this is going to be like 
when you go to McDonald's and get a McDouble and it's been a long time and it tastes exactly <laughs> as it tasted like 13 years ago. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be consistent. Uh, that, and that's a good point, which just makes this harder because you almost had me talked into 11 and now I'm really wondering, <laughs> I don't know. So man. would you want to put it above Empire of the Sun? I just haven't played Empire of the Sun. Yeah. This is the tricky part. Well, let's, let's look up one more. Silver Bayonet. Yeah, I do I was trying to avoid that. <laughs> um, so that's probably a good comparison between these games, right? Because you have two... Two-player games, asymmetric forces. Right, that's what I was going to Asymmetric forces um, with different considerations for each side in the big campaign. I Like, yeah, you have some considerations in the smaller ones. They're fun deals, but really just kind of charge and attack, right? Man, Silver Bay, and that's a real pretty looking game, though. Like, it just looks impressive on the table, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's better than Silver Bay, and it. It's funny because I actually have those two games both on my table right now next to each other. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so they're it's most fresh in your mind. Um, um, do you think it's better than Silver Bay, and it? No, no. I mean, I, I could see myself playing it more because it's more uh, accessible, but I wouldn't sure. say it's a better game than Silver Bay, and it. Right. Here's here's one thing I, I will say about um DMBM Foo. If let's say you came over to my house tomorrow and we we played this and we played it from beginning to end and we had a great experience, I'd be fine putting it away for a year and a half mm-hmm. and then come back to it. Like I think once you've seen it and ran it through its paces, then you've seen it, but it's all really good mechanics, so you want to come back to it. The the counterpoint to that is Angola. Once once Angola has kind of played its trick, which is a, a 2v2 game, like the underlying game to me isn't really worth revisiting. That's not the case here. But I think you can set it aside for a while. I don't think you're going to get a whole bunch of different outcomes by revisiting it time and time again. Yeah. And yeah, maybe there, you could. There are some games that in, in an ideal world, I know that I want to play two, three, four times a year. I don't right. think this is one of them. But it's also not one that I'm going to put away and put up on for sale tomorrow. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I will keep this game until a new version comes out. Yeah. This isn't going anywhere. It's a fantastic game. I mean, the difference we're talking about here is some of the best games, war games that have ever been designed. Better than Thunder and those arcs. Here's the deal. Here I stand. I'm already looking forward to my third game in a year and a half. You know, so mm-hmm. an all-day game, huge time commitment, and I'm ready to play it again. Oh, yeah. And maybe that comes from the fact that there's six different powers. Like, yeah, okay, so if I play six games over three years and I play a different power each time, yeah, I'd probably put Here I Stand away, too, for a while. Yeah. I'm pretty much always playing Here I Stand. Here I, stand. I almost oh, always have by a play-by-email yeah. game going. All right. Um, well, okay, let's just go to is, uh Is it better than Empire of the Sun? I'm putting you hmm. on the spot. Where are you putting it? No, I'm putting you on the spot. You're putting me on so the spot. I don't, so I don't have to answer as a better game. <laughs> no, I think Empire of the Sun's a better game. Okay. Then I don't think it's better than Here I Stand. Okay. So I think we, uh, yeah, we poked around, and I think we ended up where we thought it would be. Interesting. Without looking at the list, just like as I was playing, I was like, mm, this is going to this is gonna be like a top five game. Yeah. And, 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 that was... and I could see, I mean, you can... Uh, Obviously, our list cannot be argued with because it's not even our list. It's just the list. Right. But if if someone were to say that this type of thing was subjective, it absolutely could be a top five game. Oh, yeah. Like if I because it's a very, a... very good game. Right. 
And if I could never get a six-player game going, then right. yeah, <laughs> then here I see him would never rank that high. Yeah. Or if I don't, you know, care about Cold War planes, then you know, so sure. Uh, but this is objective, so. Uh, we don't have to worry about yeah. those concerns. If you don't like shooting Nike missiles at people, you're something's <laughs> wrong with you. God, I gotta play that game. Play that game. <laughs> uh, when we go to Colombia, we should uh, we should definitely do that. And we're gonna have to spend a week in Colombia at this point because we got like ten <laughs> games lined up. <laughs> uh, nice. Okay, well, well, I'm coming to go... KC too. You're coming to St. Louis. I'm going to KC. We got time. Right. We'll we should be able to play some games. <laughs> um, oh man, I gotta tell you. I'll I'll mention it later. I'll, right. I'll get through this. I'm really excited for. Let me just say, I'm really excited for the Solomon uh, expansion for. Uh, oh yeah, hundred yards. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, super excited. Um, okay, so Dambian Fu, the final gamble, comes in at number eleven on the list, um, just above Thunder and those arcs below. Here I stand, man. Here I stand is going to be. That's going to be our measuring stick for yeah, a while. It kind of is. I mean, that's it. that's that's the tier right there. Yep, it is. Yep. That's a solid top ten. Yeah. You know, Civil War, None But Heroes, Atlanta's ours, Beyond the Rhine, Red Storm, Next War, India, Pakistan, maybe punching a little above its weight. Stalingrad forty two, Silver Bayonet, Empire of the Sun, here I stand. Solid top ten. You can find that list on BGG. Um there's a link in the show notes. I try to keep that I try to update that as soon as the episode goes live, so uh great. Speaking of BGG, we got a question on BGG from Robert H. I thought it was a pretty good question. Yeah, we the whole kind of addressed I was talking about this a little bit, but yeah. Learning. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, great podcast. Love the frank discussion about war games. Well, thank you, Robert. Quick question. Can you go into some time on your podcast about how you play Solitaire? What I'm getting at is I have a few go- war games, and I have bought some more since listening to your podcast. Damn you. Well, thank you. That's what we're here for. <laughs> it happens to us too, Robert. <laughs> yeah, we do it to ourselves. <laughs> Some of these have a solitaire options, but other you have to download some additional cards and rules to make it solitaire. For example, No Retreat by Carl Paratus. The GMT website has a solitaire file that you can download rules, and there are cards that need assembly. I don't want to play with just crappy printed cardstock cards. I agree. I want to have them produced at a game company quality. Have you done anything like that? Who do you recommend? How about talking about the other ways to geek out your war game? You mentioned clipping your pieces... Where do you buy quality made clippers? Let's start with that one first because that's easiest. Uh, Organ laminations, two point five millimeter deluxe clipper. Yep, is what I use. I bought mine. The one on, I think it was like forty, forty-five bucks. Right. The one thing worth pointing out: some people won't recommend the deluxe because the deluxe has a uh, plastic piece that will break if you squeeze too hard on the clipper. The trick to that is, as soon as it clips, just don't follow through with the motion, and hopefully that extends the life of your clipper but i'm on number two since i've started clipping um and it's like i always feel like i get enough clips before it breaks but some people haven't been as lucky so organ laminations they have deluxe and non-deluxe i use 2.5 millimeter for everything some people are like oh i use 2.0 for this and three for that the 2.5 just does it all yep same here um let's let's geeking out your working that's a good question yeah. Um, there are tons of little add-ons that you can get to Geek Out War Games. Um, probably the simplest and most easy one you can get is tile spacers. Um, they're little plastic X's. You can get them in multiple colors. You can get a bag of them on Amazon for like two bucks or something. Um, and they're made for like putting, you know, like 
bathroom tiles down and they little spaces for the grout and everything. Um, but they make X's and X marks a spot. You can use that to say, if these guys have already moved in big games, you can say, this is an objective in this game. You can use them for tons of different things. That's probably the quickest and easiest one that you can get that you'll get the most use out of. Yeah. The other thing about tile spacers, like I also have like tiddlywinks yep. and things Those like are that. Good the, tile too. Space, the tile spacers you can pick up with your tweezers. Yeah. They're just so handy and they're super But tiddlywinks um, you can see through, which is nice too. Right. Right, right, Um the thing that and i keep i keep intending to do a video on this um so a gmt tray is already geeking it out like instead of using bags and like really going into organizing it um the, on bgg there are gmt tray dividers and i have done this for stalingrad 42 yeah cuz you can just to really clean up my divide each tray into three each each yeah. section into three yeah yep it really nice and they're, they're diy craft things um is another that's kind of the i'm trying to think if i've done anything else there's a couple i'll mention but they're kind of more relevant to the next question i have a whole bag of uh little wooden cubes yeah. they actually came with pavlov's house but because i got the kickstarter i also got some the better pieces, but they threw the cubes in there anyway. So I use those cubes for all kinds of things. I use them in OCS a lot. Like in OCS, you got those big stacks and I use them to mark where my supply is on the bottom of the stack. So I can remember that I've got supply in there and stuff like that. One of the best geek out things I've seen is when I played uh, beyond the Rhine two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, This, this gentleman, uh, Douglas, he, contacted litco who makes all like the plastic pieces for war games and stuff like the like objective markers and flame symbols and stuff you you may see them sold at your friendly local game store he reached out to them to produce his own um thick like the thickness of a tile spacer but the shape of a clipped counter so like a rounded square that were see-through yeah. like the tiddlywinks, yes. but you could pick them up with your tweezers and they were thicker so you could pick them up easier. They were really nice. And he had them, uh, they don't sell them, but like you can reach out to Litco to get your own. Those were nice. Yeah. I know Mitch, whenever he goes to a game day, he's got like a little tackle box of all of these things that we just said. Right. And he just keeps them all together and takes them with him for, because the nice thing is you can use them for any game. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, I've got a little like uh, metal tin full of uh, tile spacers mm-hmm. and then dice. Spare dice. Um, yeah, dice are good too. And dice can be used for more than rolling dice. You can use dice for counting as well. You stick it on the one side and then something happens and you roll it to the two side. And Good for uh, my brother. I just think you remember he bought a pair of gray and red and blue and white, like the 30 pack of D6s that are small from mm-hmm. for uh, Twilight Struggle for counting uh influence and stuff oh yeah and that worked well so yeah i I think there's lots of things like that i mean some people go nuts um the most nuts i go was for stalingrad 42 just to get that organized based off turn order and keep saying i'm gonna do a video i never will um and just have have them like that um i don't know i i would love to hear some other ideas of like what people have done to geek out their war games um specifically um so let's talk about like the solitaire and then printing things like that and that's kind of a two-part question because 
in short, I don't, I don't do that. Um, so part of it depends the, on the game too. And really it depends on right. one of two things. Is there hidden information? If there's no hidden information in the game, meaning you don't have a hand of cards that you're not showing the other person what your capabilities are, then you can just play, just take turns. Now I'm the Germans, now I'm the Russians, now I'm the Germans, now I'm the Russians. So um, if there's hidden information, that's where some of those systems like GMT's new, what do they call it? GMT-1, is that what they're calling it? They're solitaire. Oh, yeah, I don't know. The GMT actually has, it's, I think it's on the P500 now, a, a, a solo card driven game system that and yeah I may stupid be, joe developed it yeah and it's supposedly you can use it for any card driven game whether it's empire of the sun or paths of glory or whatever so i don't i'm not interested in no i'm not either doing really. that um so i i can't answer your question like what do i do about no retreat or for example i played no retreat though and it doesn't have any hidden information that i remember yeah, I'm not sure what the download files are. The only thing I would download is a new set of rules. If it required new game components, I probably just wouldn't play that game solo, which that doesn't really help you a lot unless it was something that was available for purchase because the same thing, I don't want like my crappy card stock. It would just take away from the experience. Like, for example, the solo rules uh, in playtests for um, Silver Bayonet. I was more than happy to do this because that just involved printing off the uh, rule book and working through those. Like I didn't have to print counters or anything yeah. like that. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. If I was going to the place I would check. So you ask, have we done anything like that? Who do you recommend? The closest thing and rich, I think you've done this as well is the aircraft and Sam cards for the red storm. Yeah. Uh, elusive victory all of those games and you can order those from gamecraft the gamecrafter.com yeah and i don't and they've gotten permission from gmt to produce them so there may be other gmt products out there and those that were produced were very nice and they're just data cards for the planes in red storm yeah there is and one other thing i actually have done um so there's a guy on BGG that came up with a solitaire system for starter kit ASL that I kind of played around with. Um, and it's, it's a card based system. So basically it, and it's, it's just really, it's just a way to randomize. You know, I, I move my guy up here. I know that there's guys in there. Are they going to shoot at me? Or are they going to wait till I get closer? It's a randomization system, but it's, it's cards and they're print and play cards. Um, so all I did is I just printed them on regular paper and I sleeved them which made them at least more consistent since I was cutting it out myself. There are companies online that will do full custom card decks for you, but I've never done that and I can't recommend them just because I don't know any specifics. Yeah. So the game crafter, you can design your own cards. Okay. I didn't realize that the, because all I ever did for yeah. game crafter is just buy the, the ones that they said, Hey, this is the red storm deck. This is the elusive victory deck. Right. I think, I guess how it works is like, there's vendor stores or something like that. Cause the, the person, the individual who made the red storm downtown elusive victory cards is tactical work workshop. Um, is the other way you can find those on the game crafter, but you can submit a design to the game crafter to have them make your own cards. If you want to go that far, like I suppose if I liked a game enough and I really wanted like a good product for it, then, um, I would probably reach out to them. 
Maybe I can reach out to him and have him print um, Roads to the Kremlin 2 on a proper map. <laughs> Still um, sore about that one. <laughs> oh, I'm super sore about that. So supposedly you can message him and he will mail out a perfectly trimmed copy of the East map. Well, Anyways, if they're going to give it to you, then I guess that makes it okay. So I'm not even going to bother with it. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Not that big a deal. I shouldn't have brought it up. Okay. I think we answered all those questions. So thanks for the, that's a great question, Robert. I just, if something's going to involve me, like printing my own counters or printing my own cards for a game, I'm probably just going to, forego that but i understand that people can't do that like they want to play the games they have i get it um so if you wanted to print your own stuff i would check out the game crafter i don't know what their costs are but like the the cards for Redstorm were like seven bucks or something uh oh we had another question too uh this one came from our discord by the way we have a discord server if you'd like an invite just send me a message it's not private i just uh the link expires every seven days i could change that but i just don't want to link floating around non-stop uh so ryan d asked this is a great question i've been thinking about since he asked it curious what you have in your collection that you consider to be the war game with the best all-around production value i.e maps counters etc yeah i like that question i like it a lot um and i think it i for like euro games i could right off the bat name a few for war games it gets a lot trickier because the production quality doesn't really compare a lot of the time one that came to mind immediately for me was the u.s civil war which i think has a fantastic uh production value yeah yeah that's a good one um the one that jumps out to me is actually jaws of victory that's like one of the games that i opened up mm. and from the moment you open the box you're like this is nice i mean there's like it's just little things there's like a little band around the rule books and the player aids there's tons of them they're highly detailed and the rule book has like a different feel of paper to it um jaws of victory was probably the one that impressed me the most from the moment i opened the box nice and i'm not just saying this so he'll take it easy on me and dm info um <laughs> silver bayonet is like a, a slightly deluxified gmt version uh first off the map art is phenomenal in silver bayonet love it but then the the counters in silver bayonet i'm never gonna clip them like they have really nice thicker than normal counters like thicker than what's in the us of war or most other gmt games it's got a really high production value especially considering the pr price yeah and all um, the scenario maps right it, it's got a really good it doesn't have like any like really fancy impressive wooden pieces or anything like that but just as a whole um, the whole production is nice. I can't wait um, to see what Vietnam looks like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nevsky is another one that I think... Oh, yeah. And I, I see the art for the one that's coming, and I haven't played it, so I can't really speak to it. It's not in my possession, but like what Volko has shared looks like that's going to be a really nice product as well. And then I, I'm not going to lie. There's something about... I know they're basic, and maybe the production value isn't that high, but when I open up a Dean Essing game. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just I love, love his maps. I mean, yeah, I love his maps. I love the counters. It's always the rule books are. BCS is developing, but the rule books are always way more digestible than I think. Mm -hmm. There's tons of good feedback in there. 
I I think they have a nice production value. Yep, no question. At least one that I enjoy. Any others that come to your mind? Mm, no, not really. You know what? I think the Clash Farm stuff is really nice, and maybe that's a personal thing, but like Wings of the Motherland is a great box. and that, that Great cover, Malwitz, but I haven't seen it, so... Oh, the inside stuff's great too, but that Malwitz, uh Battles of the Age of Reason game, mm-hmm. like that's phenomenal too. Like fantastic box with, I guess the inside stuff is, you know, kind of your run in the mill war game, but I think it's a little bit better production value than. Uh, yeah. They have nice looking maps. My box is a Ziploc bag. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I guess that's true. Some of those are going to be. You know, it's funny. I can, I, I, can got, t- um, I can tell you who doesn't have the best production value or shipping <laughs> practices. <laughs> to start with the C. <laughs> um, oh no, no, sorry, I wasn't even throwing. I was to my earlier comments. Oh okay. Um, companies that don't you know, it's funny. I haven't even opened yet. It's still in the shrink. But uh, I got eighteen sixty one, eighteen sixty seven. Ah, oh yeah. It's not a war game, but it's a train game. But. Um, I haven't even opened yet, but I've heard that that one is really nice. That they got like the uh, the hex the trays for the track and all that stuff in there. Yeah, you should open it up because I don't want to open it up because I'm not sure I'm oh, going to keep it. Yeah. I mean, I got it because it was such a cheap price, and my thought at the time was I'm either going to play this or sell it. So right. it's still in the shrink for now. Fair enough. Well, I'll show you mine sometime because someone I told someone the same thing. I was like, "Yeah, I haven't opened mine up." They're like, "Yeah, you should really open it up. It's pretty nice, and it is. It's nice." Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm turning around looking at the shelf. Um, I like those Hexasim games. Like, I think those have a really nice production value. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I had um, you you talking about like the the Napoleonic games? I was yeah, yeah, and then especially Tenkai Tatsu. Yeah, I haven't well. seen that one, but yeah, Rising. Oh, Eagle, I liked that one a lot. Cool nice one. counters, nice map, nice player rates. You should look at uh, Tenkai Tatsu. I think I'm saying that right. Probably not. Uh, you should look at that map sometime. It's that's pretty cool. Uh, well, good. I think we've uh, hit on. I would like if there's something we're forgetting. I mean, it's just unfortunately for so long, like the production value on war games was so low. I mean, like GMT, I think puts out a really great product. So does MMP. Yeah, you look um, at some of those older games and. It's not just because they've been sitting around for 30 years. I mean, some of those counter right. sheets are just so thin and, um, yeah. you know, the maps are, are not as good. But there's some yeah, good games noticed, in there, but they don't look as nice. Man, and you can tell, or at least I can, right away, like when I have an inferior counter sheet. Um, not War, but no, not not that one. Um, shit, it was a two-pack Civil War game from Compass Games. Like, the counter sheet was just so flimsy everything was the counters were splitting as soon as you pulled them out oh i hate that and then like but i also think dark sands may have had the same problem so it's not just like a it's not like a compass issue like there's some games um i bought some games from gmt that they just sold on behalf of another company i don't think they were vavictus games there was something like that is it the uh well Hexasim is one, but it wasn't Hexasim, and I it may have been Vavictus, and I could just be misremembering. But man, those were stinkers as well. Mm. So, uh, there you go. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Robert. Uh, good questions. Yeah, I like the questions. I like your quiz. (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll keep that up then. Um, cool. Uh, let's see. This is the part of the show where we talk about all the other stuff that. 
Uh, Rich and I have a lot of. If you only care about too. war games, we'll talk to you next month. That's right. <laughs> but if you're into what the all the stuff the cool kids are doing, we'll stick around. General ass hattery. That's right. Because <laughs> we're going to talk about RPGs now. Yes. So what have you been playing? Uh, I still got the solo campaign going with my daughter, and we're having That's a blast. Awesome. I told you last time how she like completely abandoned everything, so we're just gonna do Lost Mine of Fandelver, <laughs> which she's loving that. Like she's like absolutely latched onto the story. Fandelver's great. It's like a quest hub. It's just got tons of stuff in it. Um, I'm just like keeping her a little over leveled, and then I'm playing sort of like a a DM PC that's under leveled to her. So just to give her a little support, but let her keep all the glory and everything. We're having a blast. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, I played some OSE, which I've never technically, I've never played OSE, but I've played like basic D and D when I was 10 years old or something. So nice throwback. You know, I was, I was a magic user. So I had like four hit points in one spell. <laughs> nice. And I like, you know, I was completely helpless. I mean, I was like in the back row, just throwing daggers at stuff, hoping not to get hit by anything at all. Cause anything would kill me. Um, and then actually in the second session, I actually did a little bit of good. I, I cast my one spell and I, I blinded the creature to allow us to get past him and i did get hit by something but i made my saving throw and survived with like one hit point left <laughs> nice i gotta play some osc i i waffled on that kickstarter for so long and then i uh yeah i i eventually settled on back in it yeah ty ran us through a couple sessions so we played online yeah. And then still playing Warhammer Fantasy RPG. We we were told like three sessions ago that this would be the last session. And then we just kept dragging it out and dragging it out. And now it's weird because our last session is supposed to be next week. So I may actually miss the final session. So we'll see how oh. that Yeah, we'll see how that goes. But we're definitely at the end now. I mean, we're like in, in sort of in the middle of the fight with the big bad guys. So having a blast. That's cool. I'm looking forward to trying that one finally. Yeah. Uh, supposedly, um, Caleb, who I did uh, one of the history off the table sessions with, is supposedly running that eventually. Man, I gotta say, like the last month since we recorded, I've just been in a funk on, just like personally because of like how busy work is and just with other things going on. Like I've had to cancel most of my sessions, which has been weird. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping after tax season here just to recircle i've rescheduled some things we're going back to call of cthulhu oh man i'm excited for where you guys are going in call of cthulhu and then i've got a big dungeons and dragons campaign um cycling up the only thing i really did was uh hang out with um just some like some high school buddies uh we've been able to play a few sessions of and i thought that campaign was dead but it's circled back up um they uh they're doing uh water deep dragon heist which i've talked about before oh, okay in the first like like they, they kind of run around for a month doing like side quests for their factions but they've kind of really bought into their factions which is good i love that yeah Be because if they don't buy in it's a really shitty part because some of those quests suck but like i had them like all break off and go do something for their factions at one point and then like simultaneously they took uh different but similar vows for each of the it was kind of a cool moment uh and that's progressing along that's a okay setting i think it's a good intro setting for a gm 
But again, if the players aren't buying into the side quests, a lot of people have told me that they've just like skipped that stuff and then get on with the the main story. And you're just you're just running around. Uh, yeah, I've looked through that book, but I've never played it or anything. So that's not a bad one. I'm looking forward to like other stuff and showing them other stuff for sure. Um, but so you want to talk about RPGs with the impressive uh, production quality I bought another copy of Digenesis I had the rebirth edition and then they had like this other bonkers edition yeah I just couldn't resist that is the most beautiful RPG I've ever seen hmm. and it's free to play like so what did you buy I bought the print stuff because the art I love everything about the aesthetic I haven't played the game I tried to pitch running it once but there wasn't a lot of interest um I bought everything in print and then there's like dice and it comes with art. And so it's just this massive, good, good box full of gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. Like it's phenomenal, but you can go to the website and they made all of their PDFs free. And like, they just, they're driven by fan support and they come out with these bonkers balls of the wall production quality books to sell for the people who are really into it. But like, if you were going to go play, it was like, Hey Rich, let's play Degenesis. You go find everything. You get access to their character builder, all the rules, everything. You just sign up for an account on their website. Nice. It's really cool. And, um, yeah, I've been, like, a sucker for hardcover RPGs lately. Falling into a trap. Are you still playing Alien? I am, but I had to, I had to postpone that for, um... For working on tax season stuff, okay. so. Holly, and that's Hollywood's about to get another one of those going up again. I'm gonna try oh, he's to doing get another on one it. shot. Yeah, nice. Because I haven't really. played that at all, but I've heard good things about it. Oh, so good. Alien is a yeah, it's a great RPG. And then yeah, but just about everything else has been postponed. So a little bit of D and D, and then I've been reading. Um, I'm prepping Wrath and Glory, which I think I talked about how. I'm a big fat liar because we talked about not <laughs> doing Space Marine stuff, and here I am doing that. <laughs> Uh, so that's coming up called Cthulhu's. Oh man, that's good stuff. I found a, I found some really cool stuff to do before you get. So you to keep New showing Orleans. train pictures. Are we going to start on the train or are we going to start when we get to New Orleans? You're going to be on the train. <laughs> so should that's I not pick up a uh, horror on the Orient Express? No, I'm not running horror on the okay. Express. Cause I'm going to pick that one up when it, when it comes back and when it gets in stock in the picture market, I'm starting to see people say they have copies, but I haven't seen it yet. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and I saw, I think they have pre-orders open for it. So I bought them. It's fantastic. Yeah, they did a I, great job. Of I may it. never even run it. or I mean, I'd love to, but right. I might get it just to read it. Sure. And I've heard it's actually not that great uh, for whatever reason from several different people. But I've like, heard there's some real railroady parts in there. Which I don't know. I guess like if everyone's going into it. You're on a railroad. <laughs> that's true. The one I didn't back is uh, Mountain's Madness because like until i run it yeah. i want to play that i've heard that's a fantastic campaign okay. but until i'm ready to run it is i think there's a chance maybe like they'll reprint it antarctic or something isn't it yeah that's it is I and i think it's i think it's like the second edition version of it which yeah. upgrading isn't a big deal at all so it's like okay if i decide i'm gonna do wait this, so the new version is not for 70 the the version they're printing is just a print of 
the second edition version. So it's not updated for seventh edition. It is not. Oh, I didn't know that. That's the, the updates are easy. Yeah. Legitimately, they are because I'm doing some updates for you guys. Okay. Um, they're not bad at all, but it's like okay, when I'm ready, if I really want to do it, then I'll just buy it. But until then, I might as well wait and see if they come out with a seventh edition or something. Yeah. Yeah, that is. I don't think they will. Yeah. Um, I've got a whole bunch of things in the the pipeline though, so I'm. Yeah, you were talking about little... canceling stuff. I've been doing that too. Like I said, I canceled Elusive Victory. I'm taking a break from historical ASL, Red Barricades. Basically, I'm just I'm not doing any recurring commitments from now until probably July. It's a long long time without commitments. I know, but next, I mean, it, like in May, May up, I'll right? be able to do stuff here and there. In June, right, probably won't be able to do anything at all. At least okay. the first three weeks of June. I've got to I've got to say I didn't mention end. this. I didn't mention this when we talked about ATS and ASL, but I've been, um, it's felt really good getting back into the tactical stuff at that level. Like, um, the weekend I had both ATS and ASL was just phenomenal. Um, most of my games were great. Uh, well, all my games were great. I, well, I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to say anything. Did you but, say you haven't played Panzer at all? I haven't played Panzer at all. I've only played uh, a little bit, but I liked it. I think, it, I mean, if you like Tactic World War Two, I think you'd like. No, it. get out of here. <laughs> because I talked to, so I talked to Mike Denson about the last hundred yards tournament for Historic Fest. Oh Historic yeah, Historic Fest July 30th, August first, and we talked about it. And we're doing this cool thing, um, skin in the game, where you take a um, a squad leader and you try to live as long as possible. Yeah, with them. it's 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 going to be pretty cool. But then, like, we wrapped up and we came up with some ideas and talked to prizes, all that stuff. And uh, it was a great call. And then he said, I think I'll be able to bring the uh, the Solomon Islands stuff up. I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Haven't done dove into Airborne yet, but looking forward to it, yada, yada, yada. What do you think of Solomon Islands so far? And he just, like, well, you guys interviewed him. The dude um, is super passionate sure. about his game and like what it does and like just hearing him talk about the Japanese was super cool. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to Solomon Islands. Mm. Sounds like some cool stuff. Um, Is it going to be standalone? Yeah, I think. Cause I don't know with airborne, like could well, you no, just buy you airborne or the, do you have to have you, both? No, no, I think it's not standalone because I think you still need the U S forces to fight the Japanese. Okay. So, Good. Uh, anything else you want to mention or? No, I'm looking forward to cons. I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to next week, seeing everybody, and then going to Kansas City at the end of July. Yep. Yeah, it's time for that part of the show then. So yeah, we have a convention, uh, Historic Fest, historicfest.com. That's H-I-S-T-O-R-I-K-C fest.com. There's a Facebook group. All those links will be in the show notes. It's July 30th through the August 1st. We've got the details on the Kansas City ASL Summer Sizzler are coming. I can just confirm. I've talked with the KC guys that were, we're doing it and all that stuff. It's just what, how is that going to take form? It'll probably be a little bit different than just a regular tournament. Uh, because we've got the last 100 yards round robin tournament involving those skin in the game rules where you're trying to advance your one leader up to uh, company command by surviving over the weekend. If you are interested in last 100 yards... We're going to pick out smaller scenarios. You're just going to play two scenarios a day, so you should be able to bounce around 
um, and, you know, duck over and check out GCACW or just play whatever game you want, do the tournament. We've got next war con with Mitchell land. So, I mean, that was the or origin of all this stuff is just getting together to play a whole bunch of next war. So there's going to be a bunch of people just playing next war, uh, SL next war. We got learn to play events for us civil war, GCACW last hundred yards and next war. So if you want to learn to play any of those events, um, they'll be in different shapes and forms like GCACW on Saturday. It was just drop in and drop out as much as you want playing one of the big campaigns. Um, Prizes out the wazoo, good food, chance to go out to dinner with Mitch or Mike Denson, uh, all that stuff. So it's July 30th through August 1st. Come check it out. Yeah. We've got a dis. Oh, go ahead. No, I can't wait. I'm going to get there a day early because I want to see the uh, World War One Museum. Right. If anyone else is coming in early, the World War One Museum and walk down the hill to Union Station is fantastic. Highly recommend it. And if you're into baseball or jazz, the Jazz and Eagle League Museum are also fantastic. Now, after and, we just played that Call of Cthulhu campaign, you expect me to go to a jazz club in Kansas City? I, I sure no do. No way I in sure, hell. Yeah, sure do. <laughs> um, and barbecue. Uh, and you can grab barbecue with Mitch, or you can grab um, the chicken, chicken spadini was invented in Kansas City, oh. and uh, Mike Denson requested Italian. So you're, the dinner with Mike is the place where that was invented. Um or a whole bunch of other stuff. If you have questions about that, you can ask on our Facebook page or join our Discord. There's some channels just specific to the convention. Uh, join our Discord. It's a pretty good time. Talk drinks, talk baseball, talk salty sports Twitter feeds. Uh, oh, and we talk about war games sometimes. Um, let's see. You got a Facebook group. Patron. Shout out to our patrons. Our patron live chat is tomorrow morning, so you probably won't hear this because I won't have this edited yeah. yet. 9.30. Uh, uh, eight thirty nine thirty. Whoops. I need to know which one it is because I want to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on. I'm gonna just double check. So I keep joining the audio channels instead of finding where I announced <laughs> it. Um, nine thirty a.m. Thank you. Yes, excellent. For uh, that's on Discord. This time probably a cup of coffee. Hop on our Discord. Um, be a patron. All that stuff. Did I forget anything, Rich? Hmm. Thank you to all our patrons. By the way, we have a patron pick for next time. Oh, excellent. Um, what do we got? Assuming the game arrives in time, it's going to be a wacky one, <laughs> is all I'm going to say. If the game doesn't arrive in time, um, it's still a good choice. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards the wacky one. Um, so Don picked out a very – he gave us two games. Um, I don't want to spoil which one it is, but I ordered one from a Polish company, um, to get it played. And it seems very interesting. And Don, uh, Don, if you're listening, uh, send your feedback on, uh, both games that you picked. I'll reach out of course. Um, but that was, that was Don's pick for, uh, for me. Nice. So if you, yeah, if you do our patron, you can pick a game we're going to rank. So there you go. Okay. Now, did I forget anything else? Mm, no, I think that'll do it. Okay. Yeah, that's going to do it then. Uh, folks, uh, Rich, if people want to follow you on Twitter, where can they find you? Trapeer Jr. Trapeer Jr. That's me. Yeah, you can uh, you can hear or see Rich complain about his uh, probably playoff entering St. Louis Blues. 
Yeah, I think that's right. I think probably. I mean, I, I saw someone describe it today, and I said the Blues and the uh, the Coyotes are in a race to see who can miss the playoffs at this point. <laughs> Neither team seems to want that fourth spot very much because that team is going to have to play Colorado. <laughs> and Ooh. since Colorado routinely beats the hell out of the Blues, I don't think it's going to be short for whichever team gets in there. Well, uh, the Canes are just freaking killing it. Yeah, the Canes uh, are doing great. They're first in the Central. Um, Go Canes. And, I'm rooting hey, for them. Win- Winnipeg is second in the, the North, which is uh, – so the North is all Canadian teams, which has just been a, a bloodbath. Um, been, so is it Vancouver the, that was shut down for like two weeks for COVID? <laughs> yeah, uh, it was. Um, so they're a little bit behind, uh, but they're in front of Ottawa somehow because – well. The owners of Ottawa don't really care about them. Uh, but Carolina has just been so much fun to watch. The other night, they had four guys in the penalty box. And then their oh, Twitter I saw that. Yeah. took a picture. And they're like, we have four times as many men in our penalty box than Florida's beaten us this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm rooting for the Kings. So. I, I, hope they, I hope they make it. God, so I assume they've uh, – don't think they've ever won the Cup, have they? They have. They have? Yeah. Okay. I can remember. Uh-huh. They won a few years after coming to Carolina. Okay. What's crazy is like Vegas is good again. Yeah, which has I, been, I, I tell you been what, interesting to watch. It, and they've already clinched. I want to see the Vegas Colorado playoff series because both oh, yeah. of those teams are damn good. Yeah, <laughs> that'll just yeah. be entertaining. I think it's good a good sign for a team like Seattle coming in the league. Like Vegas was a cool story after year one, yeah. but they they definitely slipped the next two years a little bit, right? I mean, they still made the playoffs, mm-hmm. but they definitely slipped. Yeah, they went to the finals um, their first year. Yeah, it was such a wonderful story. So then it's like, was that a fluke from the expansion draft or what's going on here? But like the continued success, I think that really, uh, I think that bodes well for uh, adding one more team. Yeah, they've got our captain from last year. So So right now, as it stands, um, oh, see, St. Louis has only played 44 games. Right, yeah, technically we're out right now, but we've got like three games at hand on Arizona. Yeah. We're, I think we're one point behind with three games at hand. So exactly, that's exactly right. So there you go. There's your there's your hockey talk, folks. <laughs> um, band baseball's back. I'm also like I'm. Uh, I I just uh, I think I'm going to the the Brewers game when they're in town oh, yeah? uh, here in a few weeks. Wait, the Blue- um, Brewers are playing Kansas City in mid May. They're going to be in town, yeah. Hmm. Which is cool because I like I like the Brewers. Um, and, uh, sorry, I was reading a text real quick, which I shouldn't be doing, but, uh, I like the Brewers a lot, but that's not a team that they don't play. Like we're always going to get a Cardinals series. Right. Um, but we don't always get a, uh, Brewers. And then if I can get tickets for the Pirates game, even though they're got awful, uh, Pirates are, I like the Pirates a lot. So for some reason, Cincinnati is good this year. I don't know what that's all about. Cardinals yeah, are just so kind of middling. They're kind of like the Blues, actually. They're they're fine. They're not terrible. You know, they look good. Are they going to contend this year? Or what's that? Are they gonna Are they going to contend this year? Or? Um, and the division is pretty weak outside Cincinnati, so you know there's, they have a chance. Yeah, well, the Pirates are gone. <laughs> they're so bad. I mean, Cincinnati uh, looks like they're legitimately good this year, and the rest of the division hmm. doesn't look very good. So. Interesting. I don't know much about Cincinnati other than uh, Mike Moustakis, so Yeah, well, I know. I mean, even though they're in our division, I don't really care that much about them. But 
yes, they're they're playing well. But we're a month into the season too. Things change. That's right. Yeah, like Kansas City's super hot right now. Um, but I mean, they're definitely outperforming. Also, like Seattle is winning somehow, and Seattle is should, should not be good this year. So, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, anything else then? No, I think that's it. Do this again okay. next month and play that wacky game. <laughs> no, that's right. We'll that's have a right. lot to well, talk we'll have about. A, we'll, have a full, we'll have a normal game, um, especially after the convention. Um, we can definitely talk about one of those, and then we'll also have our, our patron pick. So, uh, Double Dipper next month for sure. Ooh, All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. Um, everyone, uh, stay safe and uh, do your thing. And I'll look forward uh, to chatting with you guys and then seeing you in July. Yeah, I'm looking forward to face to face. That's right. All right. Good night, everyone. See you.